I'm Terry McGuire, Connections Pastor at Parkway Fellowship's North Katy location. We pray that you are uplifted and encouraged by the truth of God's Word you are about to hear and apply it to your daily life. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. Who remembers in the 90s, when we were like all like 20 years old, super young, uh, the big deal, what would Jesus do? WWJD. Remember that was like this big craze in like the Christian culture for a while? And they had like these colorful beads and these bracelets that everybody wore. And there were t-shirts and sermon series all about it. I mean, it was all WWJD. And the whole idea of it was to get us to think as Christ followers, what would Jesus do in certain situations? That was the drive, that was the theme of the whole message. Well, I heard Craig Groeschel, who's a pastor at Life Church, a large church in the Oklahoma area, ask a question, not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus undo? He posed that question and just began to say, hey, what in your life and what in our Christian culture, if Jesus were to come back, would he want to undo? And so, he and his church kind of explored it for a couple of weeks, and it was so impactful to me and to our teaching team that we thought, man, we should really do the same thing. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks asking ourselves, what would Jesus undo? All in the foyer and on the way in, we have these really cool WWJU bracelets that we can all wear just to make us feel super young again. What would Jesus undo? Because if you think about it, often times what he would undo is probably more important than what Jesus would do. The, the strongholds, the things that we have just become accustomed to in our lives, areas that we have allowed sin to creep in, that's probably what he would want to undo in our lives. So we're going to ask ourselves this question. And I think the very first thing that Jesus would want to undo in our lives And in our Christian culture today is religion. What would Jesus undo? I think he would undo religion. And I know you might be thinking, Adam, that's really weird. Like, didn't Jesus come to, like, start a new religion? No, he did not. Religion is basically a set of rules, and its followers, if they follow all of them, or at least most of them, are in good standing with their God. On the contrary, If they don't follow the majority of them, they're not on good standing with their God. Does that sound like Christianity? No. That's not Christianity at all. Christianity says is that we are not in good standing with God no matter what we do because we have a sin nature. It doesn't matter what we do doesn't matter the amount of good deeds. Because of our sin nature, we are not in good standing. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus Christ. See, here's the thing. I cannot get to heaven by being good. You cannot get to heaven by being good. We get to heaven by being forgiven. Now, throughout this series, I'm going to put truths up here on the screens. And they're not in your, not fill-ins or anything. These are just truths that are going to help us learn how to undo what's been built up. And so you can take notes on the side or anything like that. But look, here's the first thing. Is that God loves me not because of what I have done. He loves me despite what I've done. Like, he doesn't love us because of what we've done. He loves us despite 
of the things that we've done in our lives. And honestly, I wouldn't categorize Christianity even as a religion at all because its followers, look, we're not asked to be religious. That's not what's laid out before us. Yet how many Christians do we know focus on rules and laws and less on God? Their emphasis is on rules. Their emphasis is on the structure and the laws and less on God. The likelihood is there's more of that in us than we probably would like to admit. Like, for example, have you ever judged somebody because their Christian radio station isn't number one preset in their car? Have you? Is it number one preset in your car just because? You never push it, but is it the very first thing? Have you ever judged somebody on that? Or maybe you've judged somebody based off of the clothes that they wear. You look at them and you judge their spiritual life on what they wear. Or maybe what they don't wear. They don't wear cool Jesus and Bible verse t-shirts. Or maybe you judge them because they wear Jesus t-shirts. Do you judge them? I like this one, because of the language that they use. Or even better, do you judge them based off the language that their kids use? Are you a home where the S word is stupid? You can't even say stupid. And so when other kids are running around saying stupid or worse, shut up. (gasps) Or worse, is the word crap okay in your family? Can you say that? And did you just judge me because I said the word crap? (laughs) Did you? Did you? Yeah, maybe. Do you judge people based off of the music that they listen to or the movies that they go and watch? Because that is a sign that there's a little more religion in each of us than what we would like. When we begin to judge people based off of cultural rules and standards of Christianity, and when we view their spiritual life, the health and the strength of them spiritually, off of those rules and standards, we're falling into the trap of religion. And if we let religion take seat in our hearts and in our lives and begin to grow, only two things can come of it. Here's the first thing. The first thing is that we end up becoming self-righteous and judgmental of other people. That is one path. If we allow religion to take seat in our lives, then we will end up becoming self-righteous and judgmental of other people. And, And here's the thing. Here's the problem with it. What we begin to be self-righteous in and judge people on are the rules and the cultural standards that we are good at following. The ones that we're really good at following, that's what we judge other people on. We don't really judge people based off the ones that we struggle with. It's just the ones that we have. And yes, that is outrageously hypocritical. That's where the self-righteousness comes in. We can either go that route Or if religion begins to take seed in our lives, the other route is we become fed up. We become fed up and we just walk away. Because we get so tired of all of the judging. We get so tired of all of the hypocrisy. We get tired of feeling guilty. Of the guilt heaped on us by other people and their stares and their comments. That we just leave altogether. Now, if these are the two paths that we have for us, how impossible is it going to be for us as a church to attract people to Jesus Christ? When we either have people that are walking away or we have people that are self-righteous and judging. 
if Jesus were to come back, he would quickly want to undo religion because of the damage that it is causing on a regular basis. Look at the way that Jesus talked to the religious people of his day. It's in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. It says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Here's the thing. Jesus is actually quoting the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament. It has always been God's desire that we do not fall into the trap of religion. From the very beginning, when all there was, it felt like were rules and laws. It was never God's desire for religion to take seat in our lives. Here's your first fill-in. Christianity is not about keeping rules, but about having a relationship. Christianity is not about keeping rules. There's nothing about it. It's about having a relationship. Now, here's the thing. Healthy relationships are not defined by rules. They're defined by love. Think of the relationships in your life that are the healthiest. Love is stronger than anything else. Love is the basis for everything else. For relationships that you have in your life that struggle, you have set up a make-believe list of rules that you know that if you walk through these set of rules, the relationship will be good. That's the truth. Look, God's love for you is not conditional based off of how well you do of following rules and abiding by laws. The Bible's very clear is that his love for you is unconditional. That's the key. Look, and to make this very, very clear, God has got to undo the religion that is beginning to set in our hearts, that is becoming prevalent in our lives. We would be foolish if we told ourselves we're completely full from this, uh, rid of this religion. Like, I struggle with this. I struggle with this all the time of it just being a list of rules and then it just becomes a checklist and it's just things that I do and I feel like the more boxes that I check and the more rules that I follow that God's pleased with me and that if God's pleased with me, then he's gonna answer my prayers. And if God's not answering my prayers, then it must be because I'm not following rules. Like, is that healthy? No, that's not it at all. That's religion taking seed in my life. Because the way that it continues on is if God is answering my prayers, then it must be because I'm following more rules. And if I come across somebody else and God's not answering their prayers, you want to know why God's not answering their prayers? It's because they're not following the rules. They're not checking the boxes. They're not checking them and they're not following them as good as I am. If they would follow them like I do, then their prayers would be answered. Do you see how sick that is? That is religion. And what would Jesus undo? That very fact right there. So we've got to ask ourselves, Jesus, how would you undo religion in my life? Jesus, what would you want to do and how would you do it? Quickly, I've got three things that I know that if Jesus were here, that he would want to teach us and show us so that he could undo religion in my life and in your life and in our church today. The first thing that he would do is that he would show me how to talk to God. 
He'd show me how to talk to God. Like if religion is based off of following rules, it's not based on a relationship. And relationships are based off of communication. Ooh, that was close. I don't know if y'all saw that right there. Almost lost my notes. Relationships are based off of communication. And he would say, look, to make sure that you have a strong relationship, you have to make sure that you're communicating properly. If we're going to undo religion, we have to learn how to talk to God. Like the passage that we're going to look at in just a second is from the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before Jesus was crucified. It's when he was in the most agony. It's when he was truly in a desperate position and vulnerable before the Lord. This is when his prayers were so powerful. The Bible talks that he was dripping blood. His prayers were so intense, was falling like sweat. Look what Jesus said in Mark 14, 36. It says, Abba, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Somewhere next to the word Abba, I want you to write the word Dad. It's the most common and simplistic form of the word dad. The word Abba is what children call their father. Whatever your kids called you or whatever you called your dad when you were little, that's the phrase. It's really more of a daddy than just a dad. If you were to travel to Israel today, anytime a kid yells out dad, they use the word Abba. Whenever a little kid is running around trying to get their dad's attention, Abba, 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 that's what they're saying. When Jesus is at his most vulnerable place, the most unreligious thing he does is call him dad. Which sounds religious and which sounds relational, all right? Dear heavenly, most gracious, almighty, everlasting all-powerful Father, I need you. Or, hey, Dad, I could use some help. Which is religious and which is relational. That's what Jesus is getting at here. He says, if you want to fall into the trap of religion, then use very proper forms. But if you want to undo religion in your life, you have to speak to God just as if he is your dad. Now, Jesus didn't always do this. He didn't always use dad. He didn't always use Abba. There's a lot of times he just used father or heavenly father. But when he was in the most need in his life, when he needed God, when he was vulnerable, when he was begging, he reverted back to Abba because he wanted to stress that it's a relationship, not a religion. When your prayers need to come through more than anything else, when you truly feel like you have got to hit your knees begging God for any type of restoration or rescuing or healing, that's when Jesus says, let me teach you and let me show you how to talk to God. That's when you use dad. And now here's the thing. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel weird when you're like, dear daddy, dear dad, and you begin to pray. Here's what I know. 
the more awkward it feels, the likelihood, the more religion you have in your life. If it feels totally awkward and totally strange, the chances are there's more religion in you than you would probably like to think. But when it becomes natural and when it becomes normal for you to use the word Abba, that's when your relationship is really a relationship. Because we say it's a relationship, but often operate as if it's a religion. The more comfortable you are saying, hey, dad, I really need you. Hey, daddy, please help me. I need a healing. Daddy, please. Jesus would teach us how to talk to God. Here's the second thing that Jesus would do to make sure that we are able to undo religion in our lives and in our church is that Jesus would switch the rules for me. Now, Jesus understands, look, rules have a place. Laws have a place. It's not there just completely to disregard and cast aside. For example, one of the rules or laws that's very clear in Scripture is that we are to take a day out of the week and rest. It's called the Sabbath. Now, the Jews are very serious about this rule. So much so that the day before the Sabbath, they do double the amount of work. Double the amount of cleaning, double the amount of cooking, double the amount of preparing and gathering water. They do twice of everything so that everything is completely ready to go for the Sabbath so they don't have to do any work whatsoever. Well, there was a time when Jesus and his disciples were ministering before the Sabbath and they had no chance to prepare at all. And so on the Sabbath, they wake up and they're hungry. And they're traveling and they're walking through a grain field. And Jesus and his disciples are just picking grains and they're eating them. First off, gross. Like that's so nasty. And I mean grains even without Chick-fil-A sauce. Like that's just be wrong on every single level possible. I don't want to live in a world like that. But Jesus and his disciples are. Well, so they're walking by, they're just picking grains and they're eating it. Well, the religious leaders see what's happening and they freak out. They totally throw a fit and they come charging and they're challenging and they're demanding that Jesus admit his wrong and what he is doing. And look at how Jesus responds to them. The way that Jesus responds to them shows exactly how he would undo religion in our lives. It says in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Rules play a part. Rules in the Sabbath are for our benefit. God created rules for us because of our relationship, because of his love. Religion says that we were created to follow rules. It's completely opposite. The way that we think of rules, Jesus would completely switch it. He would switch it around completely because here's the bottom line is that I am more important than rules. I'm more important than rules. You are more important than any rule that there is. Jesus Christ didn't die for rules. He died for you. You are more important. Yet rules are there to help us. Rules are there to protect us. Rules are there to save us from bad decisions. Rules serve me, and rules serve you. Look, God didn't make you so that you could keep rules. 
God made rules so that your life could be better. Like parents, pretty much everybody, you get this. It's not like as husbands and wives, you were sitting around and you were saying, gosh, we have this huge list of rules and nobody to follow them. Let's have a kid. (laughs) It does not happen that way. Out of love, there is a child. And then because of the immense love of this child, rules come into play. Rules like, hey, we don't stick things in electrical sockets. Why? Because I love you. That's a rule. Hey, you're not allowed to have full access to everything on your cell phone, on your mobile device, and you can't have it in your room after 10 o'clock. Why? Because I love you and I care for you. Rules are there so that we can keep our kids safe. You set rules in place so that your kids and grandkids don't become dirty, rotten scoundrels. Like, that's why they're there. Because of your love for them. That's the same idea. Yet we often think that we were made to follow the rules. And the moment we begin to think that we were made to follow the rules, religion sets in. And you've seen the damage that that can come in our spiritual life and in our relationships with others. Here's the last thing. The last thing that Jesus would do so that he could undo religion in our lives is that he would reveal the deeper purpose behind God's rules. There's a deeper purpose behind every single one of God's rules and it often gets overlooked and it's not taught on near enough. It's actually not Jesus that does the teaching. It's actually the apostle Paul who had an amazing relationship with God and out of his relationship began to understand why all of the rules were in place because Paul used to be far more focused on the rules than anything else. But when it switched in his life and he became more focused on God and less on rules, he began to see a clearer picture. I want us to look at Romans chapter three and I love how the living Bible puts it. It says, now do you see it? No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For the more we know of God's laws, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying them. His laws serve only to make us see that we are sinners. The deep purpose behind all of God's rules are to make us realize how much we need a Savior and how much we need Jesus Christ. Look, the deeper point, and here's a little note for you. The deeper point of the law is to help me see my need for Christ. Whenever you feel like there are rules, and the rules are becoming so many and so overcoming, the goal and the design is God loves you so much that he sent his son. And no matter how long you've been following Christ, anytime God's rules come into play, the idea is that you realize how bad you need Jesus Christ. How bad you need him in your life. And not just for guidance, but to be forgiven. To be saved. To be rescued. Because the more rules that there are, the more we realize we're not obeying them. We're realizing that there are so many that there's no way that I can follow all of them. There's no way that I can live up to this measure or this standard. And that's the idea, is that we need Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ met every single 
one of the rules perfectly. He literally lived a perfect life. And then chose out of his love of God to die on a cross as punishment for all of the times that we fall short of following the rules. And he died and he was buried. And three days later, he rose again. And if we put our hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ and pledge our lives to follow him, then we are forgiven. Remember, we do not have a relationship with God because of good things. No amount of good things can get you into heaven. No amount of good things can get you close to God or in good standing with God. Only being forgiven does that. And when we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and pledge our life to follow him, that's when our relationship with Christ begins. That's when we have eternity. And the rules are to show us that we need him. Look how Paul continues in verses 21 and 22. But now God has shown us a different way to heaven, not by being good enough and trying to keep his laws, but by a new way, though not new really, for the scriptures told us it long ago. Now God says he will accept and acquit us, declare us not guilty if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way, by coming to Christ, no matter who we are or what we have been like. <coughs> Excuse me. No matter who we are or what we've been like. You might be feeling guilty and overwhelmed. Maybe you were kept from church for years and years and years because of the hypocrisy that you were seeing, because of the struggle that you were experiencing. And you just feel so guilty because of everything. Well, Paul is very clear. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus Christ died so that you could be forgiven. You will never be good enough. I will never be good enough. But it's not about being good enough. It's about being forgiven. You are forgiven because of Jesus Christ. And the more we understand that truth, the walls of religion come crumbling down in our lives. Because I know if Jesus were here, he would want to undo religion in my life, in your life, and in this church. Because it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, God, would you continue to show us how badly we need you? Lord, every time these cultural standards and these rules and these laws come into conversation or come into the forefront of our mind, God, I pray that we would recognize, Lord, that that is religion and that is not of you. Lord, that you want to undo religion in us and in our church. Lord, I pray that every time that this religious lies and falsehood begin to creep in, God, that we just realize how badly we need a Savior. God, how badly we need Jesus Christ in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would do what Satan meant for evil, what Satan meant to drive us away from you. Lord, that you would use it for good. God, and that you would use these sinful religious thoughts to drive us close to you. So God, right now, we come before you in the name of Jesus. God, and I ask, God, that you would show us, God, what it means 
Lord, that you're our dad. God, that we would call you dad. Lord, because you're our daddy. And God, we love you. God, we thank you for everything that you're doing. Lord, as a good father that desires to give good gifts to his children, Lord, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you would move in us. God, show us this week the relationship that you want to have with us more than anything. We love you, God, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our weekly podcast from our Sunday experience. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. Have a blessed week.